0: Thank you for Pastor Rebecca for leading us in prayer. So glad that we can be together today. Um, this time of year, one of the things that uh, parents look forward to hearing is uh, from the little ones is that just what I always wanted. Um, I remember the looks on our kids' faces more uh, than uh, I remember the specific gift. Uh, Maybe you remember uh, that uh, it's one of the most enjoyable parts of this Advent season as we give gifts, is seeing that somebody else really enjoys the gift that we give. Uh, Maybe you are thinking about the way that Ralphie was looking for the Red Ryder BB gun. I remember myself uh, when I was a kid, a little older than Ralphie, uh, when I got my first BB gun. I remember Uh, that same feeling of longing, of wanting it, of thinking about it, of thinking about how great it would be, the adventures I could have uh, with that BB gun. At the time, we lived um, uh, on the edge between a neighborhood and a space where there were uh, trees and kind of an uninterrupted uh, area uh, where you could hike and walk through uh, the trees. And I was so, I remember seeing uh, that box that Christmas and uh, being so excited to know that it probably wasn't a three foot candy cane, but it was that uh, BB gun. And uh, I know that it, in 2020, we uh, probably have all experienced some different things that have left us wanting, left us longing for change. Today's message is anticipated arrival part three. It's our third in this Advent season. Uh, And today what we're looking at is Jesus was born for you. Jesus, our Savior at birth, was born for you. It's this anticipated arrival, meaning that we have been looking for something more, something better, something life-changing, we have been longing for things to be different. Longing, and, and and in us there can be a spiritual hunger, and and that can include a number of things, a a, a desire and a hope that life would be better, uh, and maybe even a guilt from the past, and and. and uh, being tired of carrying it around and a desire to be forgiven, um, a desire for a fresh start, for things to be new, or even just a desire to scrap this world and go to a better place. It's amazing how when the Lord Jesus was born, People were longing for the same things that they are longing for now and how people at the time of Jesus' birth found those things in Jesus and how we can find them in Jesus now. It's this arrival where something that was once not true is now true. Something that was not real is now real. I remember you know, longing for that BB gun and wanting to have it and wanting to be able to enjoy it, wanting to be able to use it. And before I opened the box, I didn't have it. When I opened the box, I had it. That anticipated arrival. I was longing for something. And when it showed up, when my parents gave me that BB gun, it was What had not been real to me was real to me now. We're looking at the reality that Jesus was born for you. Jesus, our our Savior at birth. Jesus was born for you. Whatever it is that you are going through here and now, I want you to to listen to this message. I want you to think about the reality. Think about the truth and, and how it can change your life Be a change for the better with what you're going through, because Jesus was born for you. Jesus, our Savior at birth. I want us to, uh, we're going to turn, starting with uh, Luke chapter 1, and I want to just explain uh, for a moment uh, first what was going on at the time of this uh, story that's recorded people living in the Middle East were experiencing actually more political unrest than we are now. They were experiencing more war than we are now. Uh, It's Arguably, you could say that disease was worse than it is now. You could say that racial violence was definitely worse than it is now, as there were mobs of people beating up and killing people of an, of other races and other people groups out of hatred. There was more civil unrest than there is now. Uh, that's the reality of what was going on at the time that this story occurred. And so, People were definitely, people on all sides, and and the the historical narratives back this up, people were longing for things to be improved, for there to be peace, for there to be a lasting peace, For for, they were longing for safety. And when things are uncertain, when we're not sure how they're going to turn out, when things are financially uncertain, and and, and our ability to earn a living is uncertain, when there's disease, when there's uh, unrest... We long for things to be different. We long for things to be better. And they were going through that at that time as well. And, and when these things happen, it also uh, makes sharper. It awakens a spiritual hunger in us. We're all, like it or not, believe it or not, we're spiritual beings that God created um, with a need for communion with him, for relationship with him. And so people at the time of this story... We're feeling those same things. I want to point out um, the, how this story was written first. Luke chapter 1 verses 1 through 4 uh, says this. Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They use the eyewitness accounts, uh, eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. What, what he's saying is that a lot of people have written about this story and they, they got different um, eyewitness reports from different people um, that were the early disciples, meaning uh, the followers of Jesus, the 12 disciples that were named, their accounts. They've gathered their accounts and the other people that saw Jesus with their own eyes. They use the eyewitness reports. And here's what uh, Luke says. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. This was a time uh, decades after Jesus had walked the earth where there were still people saying, can you believe that? Did you see that? How was that possible? About the life of Jesus, kind of like people were saying this past week about the Ravens and Browns uh, football game, arguably the game of the year so far for the whole uh, league. It was crazy. I had some fun conversations with people that were like, can you believe that what happened in that game was crazier than what you would even see in a movie? It, it, it was Sometimes the truth is stranger than fiction. So Dr. Luke here is saying, hey, I gathered, I investigated, I went and investigated, and I got different eyewitness reports. I checked the facts. I, I, I've, I've, I've done the MythBuster uh, challenge on this. I've snoped it. I've checked it all out. Um, this is a legit account. And I want to go Luke chapter 1 starting in verse 26. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Now, this past week, I I found some old pictures, including um, early pictures of Rebecca and I. And I remember when we were engaged to be married and it was a wonderful time uh, anticipating uh, getting married and what life like uh, would be like together all the time uh, it was it was kind of a, um, a intimate season of, of kind of a heightened awareness of life. But it also, you know, wasn't perfect. There were also pressures and concerns, you know, finances and bills. And we were f- uh, finishing college. And, um, a- and I remember myself also just thinking about, you know, what, what is this going to be like? And am I going to be able to earn enough money? And, and, and how, how is this all going to work? And, and right in a season of engagement is when this happens for Mary. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Gabriel the angel. Now, this is interesting. We don't necessarily get the whole conversation here between them, but not all the time. In fact, there's plenty of occasions where there's angels in the Bible that are not identified. Here we get a specific identifier. This is Gabriel the angel. He greets her. Now, she's confused and disturbed. I mean, wouldn't you be if all of a sudden an angel appeared to you and said that God is with you? Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. She's wondering, what's going on here? What, What do you mean by what you're saying? Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. This is a good thing you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin, (laughs) and she's She's wondering, like, what do you mean I'm going to have a baby? I mean, I understand how this works and I'm, you know, I'm still a virgin. I don't understand how this is all going to happen. And the angel Gabriel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the son of God. Now, that is remarkable. We're going to talk more about it in, in just a moment. But he's explaining to her that this is going to be a miracle pregnancy. God is a miracle working God. God created our natural world with certain principles of gravity and, and um The the way that magnets work and the magnetic poles of the earth and the different things we observe about the sun, moon and stars and the seasons, the way the water evaporates and and rain falls. And we got to enjoy snow this week. There's different things of this natural world that God has set up. But then God likes to interrupt those natural worlds. Rules with supernatural miracles. And the angel Gabriel is explaining to Mary that this is going to be a supernatural miracle. Can you imagine what must have been going on in her mind? Her head must have been spinning, just, just. What is going on? How is this going to work? What is going to happen? Why is this happening to me? And, and this is a good thing. This is a, a wonderful thing. The son of God, a, an eternal victorious king. I can't imagine what she was going through in that moment. And what I love too about this is right there in that moment, here's what Gabriel says. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month for the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Now there's some wonderful things about this story right here in this moment. For one thing, I love the fact that God didn't want her to be lonely, even in the middle of this pretty secretive pregnancy, especially in the early stages. And John the Baptist, who would be the cousin of Jesus Christ, uh, was born to Elizabeth, and it was a miracle in that her and her husband were old and they were unable to have babies and God did a miracle but think about this: while Elizabeth and Mary were pregnant, they were able to spend time together there was camaraderie, there was support there was encouragement for mary when obviously i i've never given birth, but uh, Rebecca has uh, brought two of our, wonder, our, our, our two wonderful children into the world, pregnancy is, each pregnancy, it seems, is different. Each child is different. Um, and pregnancy is such a, a unique season of life where there are challenges, and sometimes it's smooth, sometimes it's relatively easy, sometimes it's very challenging. Um, but it's also so incredibly meaningful You're bringing this new life into the world. It's spiritual. It's memorable, uh, difficult, and wonderful. And God didn't want Mary to be alone in that. She was able to enjoy that season um, at the same time as Elizabeth. And then one of the things that's so pivotal in the story, what we see is the word of God will never fail. The angel points that out. And then we see Mary's response to what God has said. I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. There is a humility in Mary. She has an understanding of who God is, and she has an understanding of who she is. And she's at peace with it. Uh, Going on, here's a part of her response. Elizabeth says to her, You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Mary, you're blessed and you are also blessed because you have believed that God is going to do it. And Mary sings a song thanking God, but also a song that has a lot of meaning to it, more than we'll have time to unpack today. She responds, uh, verse 46, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, she sings. How my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he took notice of this lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one is holy and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. That's unfamiliar. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. She's referring to this divine reversal uh, where there have been people oppressing them, that God was going to bring a reversal to that freedom to them, that there was going to be freedom from oppression and that God is a God of righteousness and mercy. He shows that by by righting the wrongs, by removing people. People that should not be rulers that are oppressing people, and by lifting up people of humility who have a good heart. Uh, He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the, the humble. Her Mary's song continues. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. He made this promise to our ancestors and to Abraham and his children forever. The closing of her song really is quite a climax. It's a callback to the prophecy of Isaiah. She has come to realize uh, that revelation. It's um, actually, we see the callback to Isaiah in just a moment. Here, she's calling back to the promise that God gave Abraham. And that is incredibly meaningful. So I want to look at it just real quick. Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. God says to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation. Now, remember, this is God has promised a child when Abraham and Sarah were unable to to conceive a child. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. God's promise to Abraham that the whole world would be blessed through his family, through all those who would look back into that ancestry. That was a prophecy of the Messiah, of salvation, of spiritual new life and forgiveness that would be made possible through the Savior. Hey, Jesus was born for you. Jesus, our Savior at birth. Mary had a realization that the promise of God to Abraham, which is an all-inclusive, it is a welcoming to people of every nation, of every tribe, of every people group, of every language, of every culture. It is a welcoming in to the love of God, the relationship with God, the forgiveness of sin of God, the new spiritual life given to us by God. Mary realizes that that is what is being talked about. We get um, a little bit more of this Look, uh, with Joseph's perspective, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child... She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel which means God is with us. That's the prophecy found in Isaiah 7:14. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born and Joseph named him Jesus. Now, I think it's important for us to note that Joseph and Mary are human. They're thinking through. They're processing this miracle pregnancy of Jesus, trying to figure out what to do. And what we actually don't see is if Mary told Joseph at the time about the visit from the angel. We don't, we don't know if she told him. We don't have evidence. What we have evidence here is that Joseph is processing it. Whether he heard. Uh, from Mary, her story or not. He's processing, trying to figure out what the best thing to do is. And in fact, with all the different cultural norms at the time, what he was thinking about was more gracious than he had to be. But he gets a visit of his own and the word of God comes to him. This is the promise and a further revelation of what Jesus was going to be, that is so meaningful to us, Emmanuel, God with us, this human. This. There's something about this whole story that's intimate. It's up close and personal. It's not aloof, and I just love that about this story. You think about lately, it's, uh, you know, comic book movies that are incredibly... Popular on the superhero movies. And God could have sent his son with an arrival like one of the Avengers, a grand revelation, a here I am world. Here's all my special abilities. Here's everything that's amazing about me, everything that is praiseworthy about me. But God doesn't do that. He sends his son as a baby. That, that needed physical care, that needed a mother and a father, to, a baby that needed to be nursed, a baby that needed to be nurtured, a baby that needed to be protected, a baby that needed to be provided for, uh, certainly of, of humble beginnings and in a time where there was Roman rule and occupiers and, and civil unrest and life was difficult. But there is something intimate about it too. Jesus was born for you. Jesus, our Savior at birth, enjoyed being cuddled by his parents. There's just something intimate about it that I think reveals to us something about the nature of who God is. I I love this story so much. This is why the Advent season is one of my favorite times of year. Let's look at the birth of Jesus, Luke chapter 2. At the time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. Now, remember, this isn't just checking the box on the postcard or the form. This is, you're going to pay your taxes since the last time I taxed you. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea. David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. What an intimate, beautiful, wonderful moment. Private and humble. I don't know what was going on up in heaven, but it kind of seems like maybe the angels were saying, God, God, this isn't enough. This is too quiet. This is too intimate. This is too humble for your son. God says, maybe. So you want a party? Well, okay. Just a little one. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, <clears throat> and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. It was a party. There was an outburst of joy. often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. It was just as the angel had told them. God could have chosen this earth-shattering, tell the entire planet what is going on in this, and and, in a show of dominant strength, but instead there is this miraculous birth of a baby. Jesus was born for you, Jesus, our Savior at birth. There was this intimate humility about it. I want to just quickly lift a couple of the verses we just read in answering the question, who was born? Really, like, why is this exciting? Why should this make a difference, this anticipated arrival? Luke one thirty-two and 33, the angel says, You will name him Jesus. He will be very great called the Son of the Most High, meaning the God who is above all other gods, the one true living God. This is the Son of the one true living God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. It's Jesus Christ, a victorious king above all kings. From Matthew one you you're to name him Jesus For he will save his people from their sins. Jesus was sent to rescue people from their mistakes, from their bad habits, from their faults, from the self-inflicted harm. Matthew chapter 1:23, Emmanuel, which means God is with us. We talked about over the last couple of weeks, Jesus is with you. Jesus will return. Jesus was born for you. Luke uh, 2.11, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today. Jesus is the one sent by God for the sake of salvation. Luke 19.10, Jesus said his purpose was to come to seek and save those who are lost. I think if we're honest, all of us have had a time in our life where we felt lost where we were stumbling around, where we were making mistakes, where it seemed like we couldn't stop making mistakes. Guilty for our past, broken in life because of the harm we have caused others, the harm we've caused to caused ourselves. I've been there myself. I absolutely have. Absolutely. In years past, I was in a place where... It seemed like I couldn't stop making mistakes. It seemed like I couldn't stop hurting other people. It seemed like I couldn't stop hurting myself, even though I was just trying to be happy. It was lost. But Jesus came for me. Jesus came for you. Jesus was born for you. Jesus, our Savior at birth. So Jesus described that was his purpose. And here's what his believers uh, taught each other. Romans 3.24, God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. So part of the purpose of Jesus, why we would celebrate this baby that was born. Colossians 1, 13 and 14, all of Colossians 1 is just a wonderful passage about who Jesus is. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, And transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Listen, everyone has felt a a spiritual need for change, for the life-giving power of God, for a new heart, for new spiritual strength. Maybe that's you today, and you're feeling guilty from your past. You're feeling broken. You're feeling, uh, it could be depression, anxiety, hurt. Um it could be just a spiritual hunger you're not really sure how to describe. And you as you hear me talking today, you are yearning for something better. You're learning, you're yearning for this new spiritual life that I'm talking about. It's possible. It's possible to wake up in the morning and not feel that internal pain, heart, and soul that you're feeling right now. It's possible to not carry around the guilt of your past. It's possible to be forgiven of your sins, given a new heart, given the hope of heaven in the future, forever with God, who is the only true source of love, hope, peace, and joy. It's possible. If you're here today and you've, you've never before accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to lead you in a prayer and give a point of explanation. If that's you and you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the first time, we just repeat this simple prayer after me Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I confess my sin. Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I turn away. From the past, and I turn to you. Thank you. Amen. (laughs) If that was you praying the prayer for the first time today, boy, thank you. I'm so glad that you're making this decision. We want to be helpful to you. We want to send you. excuse me, a Bible and something called a purple book to help answer questions, to help you uh, identify even what questions you have and learn what you believe and why you believe it. So please reach out to us. We want to make that available to you. Maybe today uh, you have accepted Christ as your Savior in the past, but maybe you have found yourself drifting from a close personal relationship with God. I want to pray for you right now. And as I do, I want you to just Pray a prayer of fresh dedication, fresh commitment to God that you're going to confess your wrong. You're going to turn away from it. Seek the forgiveness found in Jesus. And then you're going to make a wholehearted dedication to live for God. Wherever you are, just feel free to have a quiet moment as I, as I pray for you right now. God, I thank you that you don't give up on us. Or the other people might give up on us, but you never give up on us. You haven't turned your back on us. Even when we have turned our back on you, you are available. And Lord, I pray for everyone who is listening to this, who needs right now, who is right now praying a prayer of dedication to you. Lord, I pray that you would show them your love, help them to be aware of your presence right where they are, right now. Help them to be aware of your presence. Lord, I pray for every sin that's confessed, would you forgive it? Would you lift off of them the guilt? Lord, would you rescue them from... um, tendencies of self-inflicted harm, tendencies of making mistakes over and over that, that that don't help. Lord, would you send your grace? Would you send spiritual strength, God? Would you help people wherever they are to be aware of your presence today, right where they are now? I thank you for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, listen you praying that prayer. We want to be helpful to you. Reach out to us with a phone call, with an email. We could uh, send you something to read. We can put you into contact with somebody who's um, a- a similar to you that that is maybe just one step ahead in the journey that could, could help you out as well. Jesus was born for you. Jesus, our Savior at birth. Over the last couple of weeks, we talked about the reality, what the Advent season really is supposed to be about is the anticipated arrival of Jesus here and now, my favorite Luther Vandross song, here and now with us in the moment, the return of Jesus in the future. Jesus is with you. Jesus will return. And Jesus at his birth, Jesus was born for you. Jesus, our Savior at birth. That's what we've been uh, talking about recently. And the reality is, is that now, Particularly here in Baltimore City, we have a variety of crises. We have a health crisis, certainly with uh, coronavirus, but with a number of other issues as well. We have a health crisis in Baltimore. Uh, We have a crime crisis. We have uh, people—we have a serious problem with murder, Uh, people—and with revenge and with intimidating witnesses. We have that crisis— we have political crisis and unrest and a lack of good stewardship and leadership. We have a lack of good stewardship in finances and resources where there are, are children and students that don't have an, an equal opportunity uh, to resources, to education, to opportunity in their life as they, as they do in other parts of the country. Um We have emotional crises, certainly 2020, there has been um, a lot more people that have been experiencing depression and anxiety, um, hopelessness, and and great difficulty. What I want to say to you is that here now in this weekly time of focusing on Jesus, that's where the hope is. The hope is in Jesus Christ, and and it, it is spiritual, but it is also natural, and it is also important, and it is also real. Think about this. If I have been forgiven of the wrongs that I have committed, I'm more likely to be able to forgive other people. And when I'm more likely to forgive other people, I'm also less likely to make mistakes of taking advantage of them, harming them, gossiping against them, stealing from them, any of those things. So if that is how I am changed, the more people who are also changed in this way in Baltimore City, neighborhoods change that way they change for the better. And this has happened in history. There's accounts of this happening and neighborhoods being changed. What I want to say to you is that all of these different crises that we're facing right now can be made better by the power of God, accessed by real people like you, like me, allowing it to change ourselves personally on the inside and then getting active with it. We should Lament what's wrong in our world. The number of murders that we've seen in Baltimore this year, uh, coronavirus, and all the other things that have gone wrong. We should lament those things that are wrong. Turn our focus to what is good and then walk out some very real solutions. And in that sense, what can happen in our neighborhoods and in our city is an anticipated arrival of real-world solutions that are are truly transformational. I want to tell you something. Now more than ever, there are people that God has put in your life already, within your circle of influence, who need to sense that you have this love of Jesus that is powerful, that is real to you, and they need you to share it with them because it can bring about very real change. Jesus is with you. Jesus will return. Jesus was born for you. Well, what should we do about this? Uh, Jesus made it very clear. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Jesus said that that was most important. And that might sound foreign to you. How do we do that? How does it work? What exactly do we do? How do we go? What's the first step? What can I do today? Well, I want to just quote the words of Jesus. Jesus. John chapter 15, what do we do about this? How does it work? Well, number one, spend time with Jesus. We've got to turn everything with the screen off and focus on Jesus Christ. Spend some time, read stories from scripture about who Jesus is. You get a sense of why this matters. And then you can interact with the supernatural, with the miraculous, Spend time with Jesus. Jesus said, remain in me and I will remain in you. Jesus is here with us. He's with you now. You can be with him. You can ignore him or you can be with him. Let's choose to spend time with Jesus. Number two, listen to Jesus. My words remain in you, Jesus said. When we are making a decision to intentionally be with Jesus, That includes listening to what he has to say. This is a part of what we should do about this at this season of Advent. And then because it's Jesus Christ, the king above all other kings, whose reign will never end, we should obey. Number three, obey Jesus. He gave us that instruction to do so. What we also see is that the followers of Jesus took this very seriously, an understanding of what was most important in this life. And that's why 1 John 5, verse 20 through 21 says this, And we know that the son of God has come and he has given us understanding so that we can know God, the true God, that one true living God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, right? It's a personal relationship, intimate, uninterrupted, wholehearted devotion. We live in fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God. He is eternal life. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. We've got to make this active decision. Number four, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. If there's anything in your life that is getting in the way of that relationship with Jesus, it's time to set it aside. It's time to set the priorities. Number five, stay in love. Jesus said in John 15, 9, remain in my love. It's an intentional decision that we've got to make. There's no real, fulfilling, long-term relationship that happens without an intentional decision. I'm so very thankful. Rebecca and I have been married 24 years. And it, it has been wonderful. It has been so good. I've made plenty of mistakes and, and caused it to not be pleasant or enjoyable at times. We certainly have had our arguments here and there and our difficulties in life. But I can't imagine my life without Rebecca, the beautiful Rebecca who's brilliant, who's funny, who's gifted, who said yes. But we make a decision we choose. We choose each other every day. This faithfulness in our marriage is because we're making a choice to stay in love. We're cultivating that love relationship. I think about the things that I appreciate about her. I write lists of those things. I tell her those things. You can choose to stay in love with Jesus. It's the most important relationship in your life. It's how all this works. So here in this season of Advent, Jesus is with us. Jesus will return. Jesus was born for you. Jesus, our Savior at birth. We welcome the anticipated arrival of Jesus here and now, on the day of his return, and at the time of his birth. We respond by staying in close personal relationship with Jesus, listening, obeying, and loving. We're wanting to come closer to Jesus and our understanding of his identity, his activity. His purpose. I thank you for joining me in this. I want to pray uh, for you uh, today as we transition to our time of worship. God, I thank you so very much for all the different ways that you have blessed us through Jesus Christ, God with us. Help us, Lord, to draw closer to you, to, to be in that close personal relationship with you, that we would show you love, show you appreciation, We would walk this truth out. I thank you for it, God. Thank you for who you are, for all that you have done. Help everyone who's listening to this to truly sense your presence. That as they turn to read stories of Jesus, that the words would jump off the page. It'd be the most exciting thing they've read all week. I thank you for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining me with this. Let's stay uh, in this uh, attitude of worship and appreciation for God. Chris uh, is going to lead us in a time of worship.